Praise the Lord. Will you turn with me, please, to John's Gospel, chapter 19. John's Gospel, chapter 19, beginning to read at verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. And said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. And Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then, Jesus, then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. Keep your Bible open. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your wonderful Son. We ask you now to take your word. and We ask you, Lord, to wing it home to every heart, to glorify him. The Lord Jesus, he whom alone is worthy to receive the honor. In his name we ask it. Amen. In verse 7 it says, The Jews answered him, that is answered Pilate, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he hath made himself the Son of God. Notice the declaration, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die. The reason, because he hath made himself the Son of God. In the ministry of our Lord Jesus as a prophet, as many saw him as a prophet, in the ministry of our Lord Jesus, the, the Pharisees saw him as a troublemaker, as a blasphemer. And of course, he was worthy to die according to the Torah. That is, the five books of Moses. In Deuteronomy 13, just mark them down. Verses 1 to 5, and again in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 18 to 22, speaks of the dying of a prophet who says he's from God and found not to be. They deemed him not to be a prophet of God, even at the very most or the least. And so they called for him to die according to their law. But first of all, a trumped-up charge was leveled at the Lord Jesus it was put to Pontius Pilate that Christ had claimed and declared himself to be the king of the Jews. There's nowhere, there's nowhere where Jesus claimed himself to be the king of the Jews. In fact, the Lord didn't claim himself to be king of anything. It was pronounced over him at his birth by what's known as the Magi or the wise men who came and says, where is he 
That is the meaning, king of the Jews, for we have seen his star in the east and we are come to worship him. But Christ himself never said that he was the king of the Jews. So this was a trumped up charge. It was a political move of the Pharisees and of the Jewish Sanhedrin leadership. It was a charge that was laid against Christ for such a man would come against the authority of Caesar because Caesar, or what's known as the cult of Caesar, was that Caesar was king over all. Caesar, and you'll recognize some of these titles, was called King of Kings. Caesar was called Lord of Lords. Caesar had a title called Pontifex Maximus. And Caesar also was even said to be a god, small g. So anyone who came in the realm of Caesar's realm, uh, they were thought to be a usurper, to take the kingdom of Caesar and would be crucified. They would be dealt with swiftly. A political agenda came to the Pharisees' heart. And they says, let's say he said he was the king of the Jews. We're told that by the, the three evangelists of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that is in Mark chapter 15 and verse 1, in Luke chapter 23 and verse 3, and in John chapter 18 and verse 33. The three evangelists quote the Pilate's first words to the Lord Jesus. And this is what he asked him. Art thou the king of the Jews? Are you saying that yourself? And the most they got out was, are you saying I am? It was a trumped up charge that Christ never claimed it. The charge of him was that he would usurp the throne of Caesar. And of course, this could not be. That's why they turn around and say to Pilate, if you let this man go, if you let Christ go, you're not Caesar's friend. If you don't crucify him, then you're saying that he's a king instead of Caesar. And of course, Pilate, there's no way he would want Caesar to think that he was even helping the usurper. So to the cross, he would be condemned. The charge of if found guilty would be that, of course, after and under examination, straight to the crucifixion site of Golgotha, hanging between the, transact, the, the transgressors. In John chapter 18 and verse 38, we read of Pilate going and asking Jesus, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he comes back and he asks him again. And he asks him again. And he, he starts interrogating Christ. And after stripping him, and after his soldiers beating him, and manhandling him, and putting a robe upon him, and, and mocking him, Pilate comes out to the crowd and he says, I find no fault in him at all. Notice, he says, I find no fault in him at all. This is a trumped up charge. In fact, when the Jews said to him, we have a law and by our law, he must die because he hath made himself a son of God. This is what they throw next at him. And in fact, the Jewish leadership were breaking the laws of God by having him tried on this particular day and in this particular season. We can't look into that. It'll take too long. They were breaking the law of God while Christ was fulfilling every jot and tittle of the law of God. Notice, the real motive of their hearts come. It goes from a political motive to a spiritual motive. Because he said he made himself to be the son 
of God. If you would mark that down in your Bible, in John 19 and verse 7, he made himself to be the Son of God. I'll say it one more time. He made himself to be the Son of God. That was the next accusation. It was a spiritual one. In other words, this man, this Son of Man, is also the Son of God. He is also of divine origin. And he's no normal man. He's no just a natural man. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a good man. He's not some sort of soothsayer. Christ claimed to be the Son of the living God. Now you're going to hear, and we'll look at it in a moment, in other areas of life where people say that he is not the Son of God. And to his deity, he is not Almighty God himself. And we're going to look at this and see Did Jesus, especially if you go and speak to someone from the Islamic faith, a Muslim would say, Jesus never said he was the Son of God. There's a charge here led up after a trumped-up charge of him being, saying that he said he was the King of the Jews. That was a trumped-up charge. But then there's another charge led at him here where it says he said he made himself to be the Son of God. So is this a charge? Is this a real charge? Is it trumped up? Or did Jesus really do that? Did he say that he was the Son of God? Pilate would have to crucify the Lord Jesus one way or another now. When they cry, crucify him and away with him, there's a riot going to start in the very city of Jerusalem. And the, uh, the, the Roman soldiers would be there, but the very people, there's thousands upon thousands, maybe 20,000 plus, even more at the time of Passover in Jerusalem. And if there's an uproar, well, how could they hold the city? And they would lose much and, of course, have to regain it and retake it. So Pilate is afraid of Caesar. But I want to show you something else. Look at this. It says in verse 7, he made himself the son of God. Look at verse 8. When Pilate therefore heard this saying, he was more afraid. When Pilate heard therefore the saying, he was more afraid. What does he mean he was more afraid? What were you more afraid of, Pilate? I'll tell you what he was more afraid of. That day as as the Lord was coming to this, uh, this trial, Pilate's wife comes to him and says, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. And now Pilate, having the words of his wife's dream ringing in his ears, hears the crowds crying, He says he's the Son of God. Can you imagine Pilate's predicament? What if he is? What if he really is? Are you the son of God? I says that I am. So they cry, we have a law and by our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Did Jesus call himself the son of God? I want to look around, first of all, at who did declare him to be the son First of all, we want to look at the apostles. First of all, the apostles. They declared him to be the Son of God. Acts chapter 9, Saul is on the road to Damascus to persecute the church of God and Christ. 
The Lord Jesus has ascended into heaven. He's glorified. He's sitting at the right hand of the majesty on high, the right hand of the Father. And I notice this. There's a light from heaven. There's a voice. Uh, Saul falls to the ground and he says, Who art thou, Lord? When he hears the voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he says, Who art thou, Lord? The word Lord is curios. Who are you who is sovereign? Who are you who is Lord over all? Who are you who is Almighty God, the supreme in charge and control? Who are you, he says. Now, this is the man who's a Jewish Pharisee of the junior Sanhedrin. This is a man who sat under Gamaliel, one of the chief scribes. And he knows what he's saying and he knows what he's asking. And he says, well, who are you? I thought I knew you. You see, brothers and sisters, it's okay saying, I know God, I know God, I know God. But do you know his son? It's okay preaching about God, 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 and speaking about God, God, God. What God? Who is he? God only makes himself visible and manifest and known to us and personal in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way. There's only one way to the Father. When you look at that man, you see deity clothed in humanity. He's the only one and the only way to the Father. We're told after he is blinded, he goes to Straight Street. Ananias is sent to him. Ananias uh, prays for him, lays hands on him, gives him his charge from God. And notice what it says in Acts 9 and verse 20. Now listen to this. And straightway he, that is Paul, Straightway, he preached Christ in the synagogues. That he is the Son of God. Here's a Jewish Pharisee of the junior Sanhedrin. A Pharisee of the Pharisees, he says. As touching the law, he says, I was blameless. And he says, I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I knew the God of the heavens. But I didn't know him though I knew the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he went and he preached Christ to the Jews in their synagogues that he is the son of God. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 1. If you want to turn and verse 1 to 4. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel. Notice which he, that is God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. What are the Holy Scriptures? Well, there's no New Testament because Paul, uh, history is unfolding through Paul's letters of the New Testament and through the Gospels, not even written yet. The Holy Scriptures are the Old Testament Scriptures. The Tanakh, the Law and the Prophets. Now, don't get it mixed up with the Talmud. That's Babylonian teaching. That's wrong teaching. The Tanakh was the law and the prophets. And here Paul says that God promised us something that his son would come. He promised us, he says, now notice, in which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures of the Old Testament, verse 3, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David. He says, this man, that humanity, that 
boy, that baby, the one in the temple at 12, is the Son of God. Is God wrapped, veiled, clothed, and manifest in the flesh. He's a seed of David, notice, according to the flesh. Verse 4, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection of Christ was the completion of our redemption. In other words, it was our justification. All of our redemption was paid for and bought at Calvary, but we are justified by his resurrection. In other words, the power, the spirit, the eternal God that raised him from the dead. He says that resurrection shows him to be the son of God with power. So let's go on again. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 19. Paul speaks of the son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Paul says of the Lord Jesus, He is the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13, Paul tells us that the risen ascended, glorified Christ, gave what's known as a a man gifts to the church. And he gave some, in verse 11, and gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God. He wants us through the teaching of His Word, through the preaching of His Word. He wants us through the ministry of the Spirit. He wants us through apostles and and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teaching ministry to come into unified faith as the body of Christ. But He wants us to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. He says that's the idea for men in the church who have these gifts that we would know who Christ is. Till we all come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What do you mean the fullness of Christ? That he's not a man, just a man. He was 100% man, but he's 100% God. He's 100% God. In the book of Hebrews, you can jot these down, we'll not look at them all tonight. In the book of Hebrews, four verses... Jesus is referred to as the Son of God. Hebrews 4 and verse 14. Hebrews 6 and verse 6. Hebrews 7 and verse 3. Hebrews 10 and verse 29. Four verses speaking of Jesus as the Son of God. Here's another apostle, the apostle John, the apostle of love, who lent on Jesus' breasts at supper and heard the heartbeat of God. Notice this. John in his first letter, 1 John, not the gospel now, in 1 John. In 1 John, he calls the Lord Jesus the Son of God some seven times. And not one little letter. Seven times he says he's the Son of God. Five times he calls him the Son of God in 1 John chapter 5 alone. Here's the first one, but of 1 John 3 and verse 8. He says, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
In other words, you remember when the Lord Jesus came and the Lord Jesus was healing and he's saying, tell no man. Tell no man. It wasn't his time. And his mother Mary says, they run out of wine. Will you get them wine at the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee? And he says, mine hour has not yet come. In other words, it's not time yet. Not to be manifest and revealed to the people. They'll not understand. They don't know who I am. So we're told here that he was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. In other words, he came, he destroyed. But ultimate destruction was at the cross of Calvary where he shed his blood to redeem you and me. Notice this. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 15. Write these down. 1 John chapter 4 verse 15. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 5. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 10. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 12. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. And 1 John chapter 5 and verse 20. John tells us Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Again, John caught up in the Spirit in the Lord's day on the Isle of Patmos, writing the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I know that. It's not, I know it's a revelation of the Apostle John. I might say in your Bible, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which he gave to the Apostle John to give to us. But notice what he says, making known and manifest a revelation of himself. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 18, Jesus is described as the Son of God, who hath, eye, hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass. Here's another one, Philip the Evangelist. Philip the Evangelist. So we're looking at apostles. We'll go back again. We'll go back and forward. Here's another one, Philip the Evangelist. He goes and he meets an Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot. An Ethiopian eunuch is reading the book of Isaiah. And he joins himself to the Ethiopian eunuch as he's reading the book of Isaiah. And he asks him, do you know what you're reading? Whom it's about? Do you know him? See what I mean, brothers and sisters? Do you see what I mean? It's, it's do you know Christ? Do you know God? You can't know him if you don't know the Lord Jesus. You can't. It's not all, all roads uh, lead up the same mountain. We all get to the top. It's Christ exclusively. Christ only. Christ solely and Christ uniquely to the Father. He says, do you know whom you're reading about? And he's reading what? The Old Testament prophet of Isaiah. I think of Isaiah 9 and 6. We'll mention it again in a minute. For unto us a child is born. There's the son, the flesh. Unto us the son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And he's, can you see this man reading this? But we're told he gets to Isaiah 53. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the just chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And Yahweh hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And this man, Philip the evangelist, comes and says, Do you know whom he's speaking about? Can I know except some man show me? He tells me about the Son of God. He tells me about the Lord Jesus Christ who fulfilled those scriptures. When I pastored in Dublin, I told some of you this before. 
The door was down at the side this way. It was a long, thin hall. Some of you have been in it. And up here it said, where it says here, worthy of the Lamb, it would have said, he is risen on the wall. So I come out from the back door one time and there's a head and a half a body looking in there like this, you see. And I went, are you okay? And I went down, there's no one in the church. And the guy looked frightened and he ran out. And it was right into the middle of uh, St. Stephen's Green there where the main road comes around. I went out after him. I said, are you okay? And he says, ah, oh, don't touch me, don't touch me. I was only looking. I says, that's okay, you're fine. You're welcome to come in, have a chat. He says, I'm a Jew. I says, well, come on in, we'll have a chat. I don't believe in Jesus. And, I, and even worse, I hate that Apostle Paul. And I says, well, wait one moment. And I came out, and like the Ethiopian eunuch, I opened Isaiah 53 to him, and I says, read it. Who's he speaking about? That's not in my Bible. I says, oh, yes. That's in the real word of God. That's in the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet. Ah, that's not real words. That's not in mine. And I says, who did they welcome coming into Jerusalem? Baruch Abba, Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Who was he? Ah, I don't know that language. I says, that's Hebrew and you know it. And he ran away. This Ethiopian eunuch seen the Christ of God by faith, the Son of God. And notice they come to water for him to be baptized. He asks, can he be baptized? In Acts chapter 8, you can read about this. In verse 37, just time's sake. It says, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart. Notice that. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest, that is, thou mayest be baptized. And he answered, the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In other words, you can't get baptized if you're not believing that he's the Son of God. You won't be baptized right if you don't believe he's the Son of God. Peter says in the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Here, Philip leads this man to the Son of God. He obviously preached Christ, the Son of God, and the Ethiopian eunuch believed he was the Son of God. Notice this again. Here's something different. The disciples were in the ship and the, the storm comes and we know the story of Jesus coming to them upon the sea and he gets into the, into the ship and goes to the other side and getting out of the ship and on shore. Matthew 14 and verse 33 says, And they that were in the ship, the scared sailors, they that were in the ship came and worshipped him. Notice, they worshipped him. Jesus never turned away worship. You know why? Because he's God. They worshipped him saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. So there we have uh, some witnesses. Let's look at a couple of others. Let's look at the, the spiritual realm. 
the spiritual realm in Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. The archangel Gabriel comes to the young virgin girl, Mary. He says, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Even the supernatural beings knew who he was. Do you see this, though? They call it now a fetus, that holy thing in your womb. It's a wee baby. He's going to grow. And he's going to pass through the natural birth canal. And whenever he cries his first cry, I'm being brought into this world. He's no ordinary baby. That little boy, that little man child is the son of God. And to his deity, he is the almighty. He says, that's who he is. Unclean spirits also knew who he was in the supernatural realm and called him the son of God. Write some of these down too. Luke 4 and 41. Matthew 3 and verse 11. But in Mark chapter 3 and verse 11, it says, And the unclean spirits, when they saw him, that is the Lord Jesus, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Thirdly, miscellaneous friends, if you want, or we'll just pick one or so for time's sake. We have John uh, 11 and verse 27. Lazarus the friend of the Lord Jesus has died. He's in the tomb four days. And he's in this tomb and Christ comes to raise him from the dead. Martha, Lazarus' uh, sister, comes out and meets our Lord as he's making his way in. Saying, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And the Lord says, you know, do you not believe in who I am? Do you still not recognize me? Notice this. John eleven twenty seven. 27. She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, thou art, in other words, the anointed one. Thou art the Messiah. The Messiah just wasn't some sort of champion. They believed he was the Messiah from heaven, the one come, the express revelation of God that would come and defeat their enemies. Thou art the Christ, notice, the Son of God, who should come into the world. That's who you are. Of course, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. He says, believest thou this? Do you believe me? He cries, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead four days comes out of the tomb. You see, John says in John 20 and verse 31, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Notice that believing that he's the Son of God, you'll have life through his name. Not believing in anyone else or anything else, but in him alone. Matthew 27 and verse 54, and Mark chapter 15 and verse 39, we have a centurion. This is the last one of the miscellaneous I think I'll do. They have a centurion. And the centurion was at the temple or at the, 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 the chief priest's house, the Pharisee's house, whenever Christ was brought in the night of his arrest, his betrayal, his arrest, and his, of course, led to his crucifixion. And he's, he's over against the wall. And this centurion seems now to be at the cross. 
And when Christ gives up the ghost, we're told, he says, truly this man was the Son of God. Listen, John 1, 49. What about Nathaniel? There's another one. Philip goes to get Nathaniel and bring him to, to Christ. And the Lord says, before Philip uh, found thee, I saw thee sitting under the fig tree. Do you notice that? Here he is, a man, but yet in the spirit, as the eternal spirit, he saw him there. Do you know what he says in John chapter 3? The Son of Man is here, standing in front of you, yet I'm also in heaven. Work that one out. And he says, I saw you. Listen to the retort of Nathaniel, first John, or John 1, rather, and verse 49. He says, Thou art the Son of God, the King of Israel. Sometime I'll do, as I said this morning, a, a message on the angel of the Lord and, and how the angel of the Lord is another term for Christ before Bethlehem, his appearance as a, a, as a child, a baby, if you want, Beth, a pre-Bethlehem appearance, if you want. But also I'd love to do a study on the word. We'll look at it briefly in a moment. You see, the scriptures tell us that the Lord spoke a word into Jacob and it lighted upon Israel. He spoke a word right into the nation and then the word came and manifested. And that word became flesh. Bless him. Notice. Let's go to something else. Do you know the father declared him to be his son? The father declared him, I mean our heavenly father. God Almighty declared him to be his son. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17, in Mark chapter 1 and verse 11, in Luke chapter 3 and verse 22, all give the account of the baptism of our Lord Jesus in the river Jordan. And the Spirit comes down in the form, bodily form as a dove and rests upon him. And the voice out of heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Notice he didn't say, this is my beloved son, and in him I'm appeased. Sacrifices and offerings of animals appeased God. They covered, but he well pleased the Father. The I am is well pleased. I am well pleased. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 17. Peter rehearses this in our ears tonight. Listen to what Peter says. Second Peter 1, verse 17. For he, the Lord Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from excellent glory. I think the, the language of that is beautiful. It's beautiful. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Peter rehearses it. So Peter believed he was the Son of God too. Up in the Mount of Transfiguration as it's known, in Mark chapter 9 and verse 7, 
in Luke chapter 9 and verse 35 also, and in Matthew 17 and verse 5, our Lord starts to glisten, his clothes glisten like brilliance of white, and Moses and Elijah are speaking to him about his death at Calvary. And a voice comes out of a cloud and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. The Father, he acknowledged and declared that Jesus, this man who had been changed, was no ordinary man. He says, This is my Son. He's mine. He is declared to be the Son of God in the Old Testament. He is declared to be the Son of God before or pre-cross. He is declared to be the Son of God post-cross or after the cross. He is declared to be the Son of God by various men and women, apostles and different peoples. He is declared to be the Son of God by angels and by unclean spirits. And he's declared to be the Son of God by the Father. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's Gospels, in John's letter of 1 John, and in the book of Revelation, he's declared to be the Son of God. He's declared to be the Son of God by Nathaniel, Paul, Philip the Evangelist, the Ethiopian eunuch, by Peter. In the book of Hebrews, he's declared to be the Son of God four times. He's declared to be the Son of God by Martha, and also by the Roman centurion who stood at the cross and watched them die. So in our reading, John 19 and verse 7, the Jews answered Pilate, we have a law, and by our law he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. So was this a trumped-up charge? Or was it true? Did Jesus claim to be God's unique Son? In Judaism, they say that Jesus is the illegitimate son of a Roman mercenary soldier, that his mother Mary was a mere young harlot, and he was basically a son of ill repute. In fact, in the Talmudic writings, and you can read them if you want, people think that I'm being harsh and saying this is their writings, not mine. They say that he's boiling in hell in excrement. That's what they think of him. Islam says he isn't the son of God, that God is no son, that Jesus is a prophet and a messenger of God. Islam's Jesus, brothers and sisters, is not the Jesus of our Bible. They say that Mary uh, was expecting her baby Jesus. She was in a desert. She went under a fig tree. And Jesus spoke from between her legs as she gave birth that he was able to speak from very birth, and that water of river water ran right through the countryside at his birth. They call him Isa Ibu Maryam, Jesus, the son of Mary. He is not Jesus, the son of God. Don't you be fooled when you hear them saying, oh, we believe in Jesus, and we believe in the Old Testament scriptures. Don't you be fooled by this. The Quran, Jesus did not die on the cross. He swooned. He fainted. He, in other words, he didn't die. He, he led some sort of trickery down. 
So that's the Jesus of Islam. And they say, show me in red writing where Jesus said himself that he's the Son of God. Did Jesus claim to be the Son of God? Show me in the red writing because that's the red letter edition of where uh, Jesus is meant to be, uh, is said to be speaking those literal words from his body of flesh. Unitarians, Unitarians are really uh, non-subscribing Presbyterians. Do not believe in the deity of Jesus. All these don't believe in that he's God. Don't believe in his Godhood or Godhead. They do not believe in the deity of Jesus, Jehovah's Witnesses either. They neither believe that he is uh, God in flesh, that he is a deity nor God's son. Notice this. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Mithratha, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been of old from everlasting. Not in a desert, not under a fig tree. In Bethlehem. You all know the story. Where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem. So we mentioned Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The word wonderful here is the word pelem, and it means extraordinary, hard to understand thing. That's what it means, an extraordinary, hard to understand thing. His name shall be called Extraordinary, the hard to understand thing. And who can understand the mystery of God and Christ? He's wonderful. Wonderful by name and he's wonderful by nature. He's the mighty God. He's, uh, the word mighty God here is the word Gabor. Now notice where it's used in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 17. For the Lord your God is God of gods. That's God, capital G, of gods, small g. And the Lord of gods, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. In other words, the Gabor, the mighty God above all gods, all all pretenses of God, all man's imaginations of God. There's only one true and living God. He says that that's him. And Isaiah says, he is in him, the mighty God. He's also called the everlasting father, the everlasting father. The word everlasting is the word ad, which means eternity. And Father means the head. He's the head of all eternity. He is the Father of eternity, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, who brings healing to soul, body, and spirit. Let me go on. We sing, especially people sing at Christmas time, the hymn, the Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. O come all ye faithful. John 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, by the Word. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Word 
is God's, as J.B. Phillips uh, would say it in his translation, the word of the Father is God expressing himself. Can you find the word of the Father in the Old Testament? Absolutely you can. We'll do a study on it sometime. And the word came to the prophets, the manifestation, the theophany of God, manifestation and visible presence of God. Who was it? It was Jesus. Before he took on a body of flesh. Colossians 1 and 16, listen to what Paul says, for by him, by the Lord Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities and powers, all things were created by him and for him. Listen, he's not only able to create things if he's not God, but he's not able to take the worship of things if he's not God. Revelation 4 and 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Genesis 1 and 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Romans 11 and 36, For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Colossians 1 and 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. Colossians 2 and 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The word Godhead is the word theatos. That means for in him dwelleth all the fullness of deity. This is no ordinary man. This is no ordinary prophet. First John 1 and 2, John tells us that the eternal, he is the eternal life that was with the Father. First Timothy 3.16 tells us, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Notice, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Now I want to ask us this evening, who was manifest in flesh? God was manifest in flesh. Who was he? Jesus. Who was justified in the spirit? The Lord Jesus. Who was seen of angels? The Lord Jesus. Who was preached unto the Gentiles? The Lord Jesus. Who was believed on in the world? The Lord Jesus. And who was received up into glory? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's the son of God. The Lord Jesus. He says in Revelation 1 and 8 to John, caught up in the spirit. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He says, I am he who is, who was, and who is to come. Listen, the Almighty. Folks, he's Adam's companion in the garden. He's Noah's appearance of grace. He's Abraham's visitor and friend. He's Jacob's wrestler. He's Moses' lawgiver. Joshua's captain. He's a fourth man in the fire with the Hebrews all in the Old Testament, and his name, his Hebrew name, Yahshua, or Yahshua, is found some 150 times in the Old Testament. That is the Old Testament. And it's where you read the word salvation, and sometimes for deliverance. It's Yahshua, Yahshua. Truly, my soul waits for God, David says. 
He says, for from him, from God, cometh my salvation. It's the word, cometh my Yahshua, or Yeshua, cometh my Jesus. So the Jew says, we have a law. I'm closing. Thank you for your attention. We have a law, and by our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Haven't answered your question yet, or the question. Can we see where Jesus says, all those we mentioned said he's the son of God. Can we see where Jesus claims himself to be the son of God? If you want to see Jesus saying, Verily, verily, I am the Son of God. It's not in the Scripture. It's not there. Does that mean he doesn't claim himself to be the Son of God? No, he does. Follow me. Stay with me. We're closing. In John 5 and verse 25, listen to the words of the Lord Jesus. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that is to the Jews, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Lazarus, come forth. He's already went, follow me in the spiritual dead road. Talitha Kumai takes the young girl by the hand. Little damsel, little maid, I say unto thee, arise. John chapter 9 and verse 35, Jesus anoints a blind man's eyes. He spits in the ground. He anoints his eyes as, uh, uh, with the spittle and the clay. John 9 and 35, we're told that Jesus heard that the man goes and praises Jesus for he's the one who healed him. And the Pharisees and the scribes and the Jewish leaders throw the man out of the synagogue. And we're told that Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Now notice this. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Verse 36, and he answered, the man answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Verse 37, and Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. Can't get any clearer than that. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. John chapter 11. Jesus said, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son might be glorified. Father, I know that thou hearest me always, he said. Lazarus, come forth. And he was glorified, for the Father answered his prayer. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Who said that? Jesus. Who was he talking about? Himself. Oh, to his eternal uh, deity, John 8 and 58, he says to the Jews, before Abraham was, I am, using the august title of Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush. John 10 and 30, he says, I and my father are one. 
In John 10 and 38, he says, The Father is in me, and I in him. John 14 and 10, he says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Work that one out. The Father's dwelling in me, he says. He doeth the works. What about whenever they said, Lord, show us the Father and it will satisfy us. He says, hast thou not known me, Philip? How long have you been with me? You do not know me yet. He that has seen me has seen the Father, he said. Mark 14 and 61, Jesus was asked by the high priest whenever he was interrogated that night, art thou the son of the blessed? See the word blessed, it's the word eulogatos. And it means the only one to be praised. Now, if my memory serves me right, it's only used about five times in the New Testament. I think I'm right in saying that. Five times in the New Testament. This word eulogatos for the highest. And it means, are you the son of the only one to be praised? Referring to God. In other words, are you the son of God? And listen to what the Lord Jesus replies. Are you thou the Christ, the son of the blessed? Mark 14 and 62, the Lord Jesus replies. Notice, I am. Next time you go to someone who denies his deity or denies his sonship, you go and you say, what about this? He says, I am. I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, the place of authority in heaven. Stephen crying unto God, it says, when he's being stoned in the book of Acts, he cried, crying unto God, he cried, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Crying unto God. I notice this. You see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the power and coming in the clouds of heaven. This same Jesus will return in like manner. He's coming again. Jesus is the Son of God. He is eternal yet begotten. He is divine, divine yet human. The eternal word of the Father, yet the first begotten of Mary. The fullness of absolute deity clothed in humanity. Son of God, Son of Man. To his source, he's eternal. To his conception, he's supernatural. To his birth, it's historical. To his life, it's accountable. His ministry was miraculous. His death, vicarious. His resurrection was essential. His ascension is literal. His high priestly ministry is perpetual. And his coming again is visible and powerful. He ought to die. Lord, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your precious blood. Brothers and sisters, as my old friend, well, he won't like me saying old, as my friend Pastor Jennings would say on his TV broadcast, friend, if that don't set your wood on fire, if that don't set you on fire, your wood's wet. And if that doesn't set you on fire, your wood's wet. How can you not fall in love with this one? God bless his word to us tonight. You take that and you show that to people who deny his deity. And listen, see those who deny the Father and deny the Son. 
See those who deny that he is God of very God and man of very man. You know what the Bible says? They're antichrist. I didn't say that. The Bible says that's the spirit of antichrist. Wow. John says, he that hath the Son of God hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It all rests in him. God bless his word to our hearts this evening.